I think a lot of things that, you, that were talked about the last few minutes are things that you more or less have in your head already. And I'm kind of saying some of these things to the group more than I'm saying them to you. And I'm kind of giving you an affirmation is like, you know, double down on those things and double down on them again. And uh, I think you'd be a lot happier long term. And it'll, it'll, cause you, it'll cause you little emotions in the short term and people will judge you for it. So, oh, you're not very forgiving or, oh, you're not this or that. So, well, it's cool, but you know, if you're always building your value, if you're always doing something, something new, building something, learning something new, creating something new, uh, you know, creating jobs, creating opportunities for other people, the more that you're contributing to other people's lives, the more a lot of people are gonna wanna hang out with you. And it's gonna be better and better quality people. And it's not like you're being a dick, it's not like, um, you know, some people be like, you know, oh, fucking, you know, he's doing this or this or that now, so fucking, you know, don't, don't remember where he came from or don't remember this or that. It's like, well, I invited all my friends to come with me. I begged some of my friends to come do things with me. And they laughed at me. Those same kids I grew up with, when I told them I was, you know, I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go get my GED and go to college, you know, they literally laughed at me. And, you know, as a, as a group made fun of me for that. And, you know, if you look back later, you know, the six kids I hung out with all the time, so three of them are dead now, and one's doing 30 years, and one's doing life in federal prison, and the, the sixth one is crippled, because he's high and drunk at work and got himself fucked up with, like, a Kubota machine, like, like a Caterpillar-type machine, yeah. So, um, I, you know, and I didn't laugh at any of them, but, you know, I, I, I begged some of those people to come do, you know, man, just come do this with me, man. Let's go do this thing together. And you know, your, your path diverges so much. And in like two years time, the person that you asked to be your business partner wouldn't be qualified to be the lowest employee in your company, you know? Wouldn't be qualified for a free internship two years later. And you know, that, that don't mean that you're a bad person. Cause people are gonna judge you for that. If you, if you behave this way, people are gonna judge you for that. So, oh, you should be more forgiving. Oh, give them a break. Oh, give them a chance. So, no, nah, fuck that, fuck that. So I, I, any, any of those stupid thoughts uh, I, I had in my head when I was younger, I got rid of those a long time ago. So if somebody breaks their word to me, I don't need to talk to that person ever again. Don't, the, more you, the more you betray your, your values or beliefs to go pander to, to fit in somewhere, you're gonna be more disappointed later. Marcus Aurelius, this is not a new thought. Marcus Aurelius talked about this a couple thousand years ago. Is that, you know, you, you know, and Cicero also, they both have quotes similar along the lines of, um, you know, you, you never want to behave in a way that would hurt your self-esteem or make you, make you doubt yourself as a man, that make you doubt your own word. You know, you, you, start, making, you start lying to yourself about shit. Really, one more step, when you start lying to other people about shit, um, you lie into your team, you're lying to people close to you, you know, inherently in that, you're starting to lie to yourself too. And real, real soon, you're gonna be doing a lot of disappointing things. You're gonna be living a lot lower lifestyle and have a lot less future potential than what you could have had. And you know, it take you decades. Buffett talks about this. More Buffett quotes this week. You know, Buffett talks about it take you decades to build a good reputation, and you know, one wrong decision over a couple minutes to fuck it all up. So you just don't want to do those things. It's the, 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 people, the people in this room that follow that advice the closest are going to have the most money, the highest quality friend, friendships with their guys, the largest abundance of women, and the highest quality women, and they're going to live a pretty carefree life. 
And the people that want to deviate from that because they're having a moment of weakness and they want to do some little bitch ass, make a little bitch ass rationalization or bitch ass exception, and say, oh, I'll do it later, or oh, just this one time. Yeah, I remind myself that, uh, and this is a theme that I've mentioned a couple times, but I remind myself I'll probably be dead sooner than I'd like to. And um, my, my goals are more important to me than a little bit of sleep. So some people, I know all the sleep science. Somebody here, despite me saying that, they're going to criticize it and say, you know, oh, but Derek, you know, it's, uh, you got to sleep, you know, seven hours, eight hours, whatever bullshit. And, and I, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger had a great uh, talk about that. And he says, you know, you, you sleep six hours a day, you got 18 productive hours left. He's like, yeah, 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 I know. Some people say sleep eight hours. Is it no sleep six hours? Just sleep faster. Get all your sleep. Just sleep faster. And you know, the way that I think about it, you know, branching off that Arnold thing or merging two thoughts together is, uh, you know, rich people, poor people, smart people, dumb people. Everybody gets 168 hours in their week. And the people that are most efficient, you know, as a good scientist, you know things about efficiency that I'll that I'll never know but you'll get the general idea, you know, and, and, and more. The people that are most efficient with their energy are gonna have the best outcomes, aren't they? And the people that fuck around and procrastinate and make excuses and so on, it's like evolution doesn't favor those people so well, do they? So, you know, evolution doesn't favor inefficiency. So the, the people that are gonna be more focused and more rational and more logical and less agreeable with the general public of idiocy, they're gonna have better outcomes. Doesn't mean you have to be mean. I don't think of myself as a mean person. You know, people that know me well don't, they tend to say nice things about me, you know? But, um, but I, I don't, I don't, uh, don't want to waste any time with people that aren't taking their own life serious, you know? You can't be committed to help somebody that doesn't want to help themselves. You know, you're, you're the fool, not them. And same thing with women, with family, with whatever. Women, family, whatever. So, um, I don't, you know, it's, you get 168 hours. And uh, I don't know a lot of, you know, certainly in your lifetime to accomplish some of the things you've done already, there were certainly some nights that you were, you were awake for 20, 25 hours working on some goals because your goals were more important than taking a little nap at that moment, you know? And the people that do that are going to have better outcomes. And the people that are unwilling to do that or, you know, they want an appeal to authority, an appeal to the government or an appeal to a union or some shit that... Uh, you know, oh, this is inhumane, or this is, they're asking too much of me to, not only do they want me to show up for work for eight hours, but they actually want me to work six out of eight. They're only paying me for eight hours. They want me to work for six. We should only work for three or so, like in France. So, you know, well, you know France is a has-been country because you hire somebody in France, you're basically married to that person. It takes you two years to get rid of them. Take you two years to get rid of an employee. They get paid for eight hours. They work for three hours. And um, yeah, everything that comes out of there is expensive. And unless you have some, some niche bullshit, like a Chanel bag or you know, some high fashion niche bullshit that had a great marketing campaign behind it, you can't produce anything competitively there. So you know, it's, I think um, I don't like hiring union people. I don't hire union people for anything. I would never. I, you know, I pay people, people that work with me, I pay them very well, actually. Like, like a, a lot more than, than you might think that I would. Um, but I also tell them that, you know, if you work with me, you're going to be available every day of the year. Uh, this year is leap year, so we're, we're 366 days. I tell them, um, 
you keep your ringer on for, you can have the ringer off on your phone, except for my phone number. If I call you or text you, you're available 24 hours a day, every day of the year. And I don't say this, I'm not saying it is a bit of a joke. I'm not saying it is 1% of a joke. It's like, that's the conversation we're going to have. And I'll, I'll tell them, you know, I might spend an hour or two telling them all the reasons that they're going to find me annoying. They're going to get fatigued by that type of a schedule. They're going to not like me for this or that reason. You know, I'd like to tell them ahead of time everything that they're going to hate about it. And I'd like to tell them, you know, anybody new that I'd bring around, they can, like an assistant or somebody that I might be paying later. Um, I'd like to tell them, I'd like, I'd like the other team members to tell them everything they're going to learn to hate about me. You know, and you know what? The, anybody that I ask to do that, they always say yes, by the way. Because if I didn't have a good read on them that they were that type of person, I would have invited them to do shit anyway. So, and they always thank me later, and they say it was very useful to them. So, you know, what do they get out of that? Well, you know, probably pay them twice as much as I'd have to pay a normal person. But when you find an exceptional person, they'll get done three times as much work. So it's a bargain for both of us. And, and I'm not exaggerating when I say it twice. I'd probably pay them two or three times as much as they'd make in a normal job market. But I'd probably get three or five times the productivity out of those people, you know. And, uh, you know, I can, I can be myself and live the way that I want to. You got to hold yourself to that same standard. I do stuff every day of the year. You know, I might work six hours some days instead of 14, but I do stuff every day of the year. And I don't think anything will work in 100 hours, and I don't even have to anymore, which is, you know, you might say is irrational in some ways, but I'm addicted to that process, and I like it, and I still have a few goals, and I'm going to spend a few more years doing that, you know? So, um, I don't know, just find, find people that are compatible with that. I wouldn't date a girl that didn't understand, you know, math decently. She doesn't have to be a fucking math wizard, dude. But, you know, if she didn't understand, like, you know, basic statistics, geometry, if we couldn't talk about the world, you know, you'd like to be able to talk about the world while you're out doing something together, you know? So it'd be great if she understood some basic statistics, geometry, you know, probabilities, um, you know, fundamentals of finance, accounting, econ. So we could talk about some of those things together, or, you know, make decisions or, um, hell, I'll have a fucking girl staying up late with me. My, my girl at home, uh, you know, she'll be staying up, you know, 10 in the morning or noon back in March and April. She'd be up all night with me, you know, like pre-screening financial statements for me. You know, tell me your thoughts about this, 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 you know, look at these 10 companies, give me your three favorites. You know, she's here, you know, up all night drinking coffee at five in the morning because she'd been up all night to look at a, another stack of financial statements before we go to bed for three hours. So, and then wake up and do it again. So, um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to live a normal life. And I think anybody that, if you want to have abnormally good outcomes, you're going to engage in some abnormal behaviors. Uh, a person that wants to do what normal people do and then fantasize about extraordinary outcomes is, it's a total delusion, you know? So, you know, whatever your version of that, you'd have different tastes and preferences, but, you know, similar structure in your head, but different tastes and preferences on how to apply that. But, um, you know, the people, you know, I, I had a, a put a post on Instagram a week or so ago of like, you know, don't, don't be mad about the results you didn't get with the work that you didn't do. <laughs> So when somebody says, oh, that's not fair, or these, these people, you know, these idiots that complain about the evil 1%, the evil 1%, like there's something bad about people that were, you know, more industrious or, you know, you, you, I'm, not, I'm not Elon Musk's biggest fan, nor does he give a shit. He have no idea who I am. Um, but, you know, even Elon says that, so, well, you know, you got to work 100 hours a week. 
a guy that's working 50 hours a week versus 100 hours a week, even if he's a total idiot, he's still making twice as much money in the short term, and he's learning little nuanced things that are making more valuable in the long term. So, and you're, if you think about that in terms of a savings rate, it's like a person's fixed expenses or you know base expenses for food, shelter, etc. You know, if the first, uh, if your first 50 hours a week, you know, 80% of that money is going to pay for those base expenses. If you just doubled your workload, you wouldn't double your savings. You would, you would 6x your savings. You know, and then the person that's willing to do that early in life, you could, you know, you understand exponentiality and the compounding that happens. That uh, a person that gets a, you know, a good base of money early and starts compounding that in markets, um, you have pretty extraordinary outcomes. You know, it doesn't have to be working later. So I guess just one more thought about in this vein is uh, I, I had a thought in my head. I don't know. I was still a teenager. I don't know when the 14, 15, 16 years old. I thought, you know, if you really worked your ass off, it's like, like you know, if you did nothing but work, if you obsessively worked for 10, 15 years, probably 12, 15 years, if a person was willing to do that early in life, I think you could do whatever the hell you want to do with the rest of your life. And you know, then there's the, what the bulk of people do is they do not much during that time period, and then they wake up around 30. Instead of being retired around 30, they start to pay attention around 30 and realize how far they are behind the people that were behaving differently, that were you know, staying up late to get good grades to go to a good graduate school, or you know, so on and so on, as you would have, you know? So um, I don't know. I, I don't have any, you know, don't, they shouldn't be upset about the results they didn't get for the work they didn't do. So I don't have any sympathy. And I, and I grew up, uh, it was a sufficient level of poverty that I have zero sympathy, I have none. I have much less sympathy than a normal person for these, uh, these sad stories of, oh, he grew up poor, or he had this or that challenge. You know, I just think it's the most pathetic shit. It's like, you know, if, you, if you wanted something, you know what I think? I think it's, you know, that's like a, it's not even half a man. It's not even half of the determination that I had to go do better. I don't have, you know, I, I, when I hear those type of things, when people say that, oh, I, you know, oh, but I got a great excuse. Well, you know, your excuses don't really help you accomplish your goals so much. So you could have your excuses or you could have the outcomes and the people that dwell on the excuses don't tend to be the people that get the outcomes, do they? Imagine a fucking astronaut. You, know, you, you, you might know the story of, uh, I don't know the names, I don't know the right mission, but uh, I think it's the, the, the first landing on the moon, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm, I may, be, I may well be wrong. I'm probably wrong about a couple of my facts. Um, please correct me. Um, but there's a story where they fucking, they have uh, 30 seconds or so of fuel and they're on the, you know, the, the dark side of the moon and they've lost uh, communication with, uh, with Houston, I believe. And um, the guy has to take the thing out, out of, off of autopilot because you know, the thing wants to land on a rocky spot. He's got 40-some seconds of fuel, I think it is. The, the, plane, or the, the capsule wants to land on a rocky spot where they can't land, and he has to make an executive decision, take it off autopilot, take manual control, of this rickety thing that's less powerful than your uh, an iPhone, and then go land it by yourself. You know the story I'm talking about. Yes, yeah, sounds familiar. No, is that a good time for him to have excuses? Think of all the great excuses. Think of all the great excuses he could have had for, you know, hey, the autopilot didn't work. Now we're all dead. <laughs> you know, you you have your excuses, or you could be like, you know, the, the people get paid an extraordinary premium 
to put their little fucking excuses away and just be, you know, oh, we're doing this now. You know, oh, but there's no playbook. Oh, but, you know, this is not in my job description. So all those bitch ass excuses of, oh, it's not in my job description or, you know, nobody told me what to do. It's not my fault. When you hear an idiot, you know, it's like the hallmark of an idiot when they start saying things like, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's like a, a, a deferment to authority that, you know, they're just some little, little weak little child, a weak little baby that uh, doesn't want to take responsibility for their outcomes. When I hear that shit, it's not my fault because my brain just turns off immediately. I just want to be far away. Yeah. You know, when you listen to, uh, I've, I've, I've had the luxury, and you, know, you could go hear these on YouTube probably, but I've heard a few um, um, you know, plane pilots, you know, commercial airline pilots, when they have abnormal circumstances and you have to land a plane, and those people are just calm. It's like a general. It's just, it's just a calm, calm logic. You know, you hear the one from, uh, what's his name, from that uh, New York incident 10 years ago? Sully, yeah, Sullivan, Sullenberg, yeah. And, you know, if you listen, you go listen to that on YouTube. It's a couple minutes, you know. And, the, you know, the, the crux of it, I haven't heard it for years, but the, the essence of it is uh, he's, he's telling them that uh, he's going to put the plane down in the Hudson, Hudson River, you know, be near this bridge between here and there, send emergency vehicles to this spot. And he's anticipating, you know, well, well navigating that plane. He's telling them very calmly and clearly, and they're telling them, you know, to, you know, loop the plane around and bring it back to the to LaGuardia or whatever. And uh, he's like, you know, no, negative, doing this. And, uh, you know, doesn't have enough fuel, et cetera, or doesn't have enough altitude. You know, he, he's got to do the math. You know, and I'm, I'm sure you're a great math guy or you wouldn't be in your profession. So he's got to do the math in his head and calculate his, his altitude, what the cruise rate, you know, of a falling object is with the altitude that he had. And you know how the how that thing is going to maneuver, not in a textbook, but in real life, given the circumstances he has on the ground in real life at that moment. You know how much time does he have to to maneuver the plane, put it where he wants to, etc. There's a lot of decisions being made there, with you know his life and a lot of other lives at stake as well. And the guy is just calm. You know, he just you know, boom. No, we're doing this. He's just giving them instructions of you know. He don't even know if he's going to live. But he's given them, you know, best case scenario instructions of, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Um, you know, I want an emergency vehicle here, there, but, 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 we're going to end up approximately there. And, you know, you don't know how it's going to turn out. But he's making the best of it while giving those instructions. And, uh, you know, that, that calmness under pressure means a lot. And people that can't do that, people that can't control their emotions are really in trouble. I was in a plane once, it, it made the news, and, you know, and, I probably had 700 flights or so, you know, at this point in my life, and um, I had two of them. That once I was, once I was, you know, uh, above the Titanic, more or less, you know, over the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, and I, I remember from the movies that oh, that water is probably 34, 35 degrees at that time of year, just like uh, just like the Titanic. So I I knew even if the you know, the plane didn't work out, I knew what I had to look forward to if you managed to survive the. You're, you're probably going to die anyway. Um, but yeah, there's a, you know, not worth the whole story, but there's, you know, serious plane malfunction that uh, I thought, you know, well, like, I guess this is it. And um, so, you know, that wasn't much fun. Different one made the news was I was flying to uh, LAX and they couldn't get the landing gear down on the plane. And then they put you in a holding pattern to try to work on the landing gear. So you fly in a big oval. Um, you know, hoping you get to land at LAX sometime today.
And, you know, about uh, 100, 110 minutes, something like that, into this, uh, they, they just make a, you know, an announcement. They try to be as calm as they can, and they try to tell you about, uh, you know, they use words like emergency landing and how to brace yourself, blah, blah, blah. And when they get to the, the facts, which they never should have said, to the, they shouldn't have said this to the public, but you know, I understood what they were saying anyway, but they shouldn't have said it to the public because what caused the panic is, uh, and I don't know if what their procedure is supposed to be, but again, they, I don't think they should have said this, but they said that you know, the, the, the plane has no more fuel and that they have no, <laughs> they have no choice but to take the plane down and, uh, and so on. So, and at that point, the people gasp, just like there's an emotion here, but, but in real life when you're doing it, the people gasp and you know, the 55-year-old guy next to you starts crying. And, and I thought, to myself, you know, I, I was very calm. I, I didn't, you know, now earlier in life I'd been stabbed, I'd been held at gunpoint several times. I had some other experiences that maybe prepped me to be calm under some of these circumstances. But um, I, was very, I was always very calm about those type of things. And it helped me a lot. It really helped me a lot. And it's, it's nothing more than just keeping your rationality at a time when most people wouldn't, you know? But, um, yeah, I, I thought the worst part of that, I said, well, you know, well, we'll, yeah, we'll see how this turns out. And, uh, and they, 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 got the, they, they did get the landing gear down eventually. They had some last-ditch effort mechanical, you know, like mechanical crank system that finally worked, I guess. And, uh, but that was a, a very last-minute situation. Um, you know, it made national news that day that my, my friends back in Chicago were watching it. And I'm like, yeah, I was on that plane earlier.